today, Dennis, and you're going to talk about two old-fashioned herbs. Mm, we we are indeed. like a little bit of old-fashioned <laughs> herbs, but they're still really effective for treating a condition that affects a lot of people. Indeed, we're going to be looking at the way in which two herbs, Bukul and Uvaersi, classic old remedies for addressing chronic cystitis or urinary tract conditions. On Health Naturally today and Nora's on the line from Jules and Nora, PMR is what you're ringing about. It is indeed, yes. Um, hello. It, hello, Dennis. Nice to speak to you. Oh, that's lovely. Look, you're talking about polymyalgia rheumatica, are you? That's the one, ah, yes. yes. Are you, are you uh, suffering from that or are you speaking for but, someone else, Margaret? I'm Speaking from my brother-in-law, he's yes. uh, 86. Okay. Now, is your brother-in-law uh, being treated with mainstream medicine? Is he using any drugs for the condition he, or steroids or anything like that? They, they put him onto steroids, yes. which is, he's not happy about being mm. put on. Yeah. Uh, he does have an awful lot of pain and yes. Um, stiffness. Yes. Now, look, you have to be cautious about not being too sceptical about steroids. Steroids, right. steroids allow some people to live uh, mm -hmm. comfortably. Um, right. there, there, there is a downside to it that high doses of steroids, and when we're talking about steroids, we're talking about things like prednisone classically, um, high doses of a steroid over a long unmonitored period of time can be a real problem, a real problem. Mm -hmm. On the yeah. other hand, uh, in managing an intractable and painful condition such as polymyalgia rheumatica, um, mm -hmm. uh, the, 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 the specialist physician would start off uh, at, a, say, an elevated dose, but then as the symptoms became more bearable, um, the treatment is to wind the high levels of steroid down to a much lower dose that keeps the patient cap uh, comfortable and allows the condition to, in my words anyway, burn itself out. So the first thing, first thing I would say is that um, be a little bit cautious about too, being uh, too negative. Talk about uh, the concerns with your general practitioner, who I'm sure will probably reiterate uh, a thought similar to mine. Uh, on, on, the, on the other hand, there is a way that is sometimes very useful in assisting the medical model and will not clash with it. I have found, for instance, that using uh, a preparation known as Astragalus 8, that that preparation has frequently enabled people to work towards a lower dose of the steroid and assist them eventually in coming off the preparation. That's been my experience in using this remarkable remedy, which I had the privilege of bringing into Australia probably over 30 years ago now, um, I define I defined Astragalus 8 as a, a remedy that uh, is restorative. And I know these are, how can you call them, fairly lay terms, but the idea is that the preparation works on every organ system of the body to promote, wherever possible, a normalisation of function, improve, in, including immune activity. And in conditions of... Uh, depressed immunity, uh, Astragalus 8 is worthwhile working with. It's in a tableted form. You can get it from your pharmacy or your health food store in low dose 
uh, persevered with over a period of time, I have found, and I base it on my experience more than anything else, that when patients append this uh, to a mainstream treatment, say for polymyalgia rheumatica, letting their doctor know, of course, what they're doing, that this leads to a, a better outcome. That's my interpretation of it. Having said that, for, for the pain condition, for the pain condition, there are a number of herbs which again should be discussed with his medical manager. Uh, herbs, for instance, like uh, curcumin, C-U-R-C-U-M-I-N, curcumin. It has a, a, an emerging significant reputation as an anti-inflammatory and pain-relieving agent. Also, um, don't overlook a herb that's not as well known today as it was years ago called devil's claw. Now, devil's claw is called up in our literature as a herb that has specificity for myalgic conditions. Uh, also, you can talk about preparations that are based on the oldest analgesic and anti-inflammatory agent, which is the willow bark. There are three herbs. Uh, your pharmacist or your health food store or your naturopath would most likely stock those, curcumin, uh, probably being the, the, the leader of the pack, uh, devil's claw, and, um, and the willow bark. So my approach here would be, look, make sure he discusses anything that he does with his medical managers. He's an elderly gentleman, um, but take on board my enthusiasm for introducing astragalusate and one or more of the natural anti-inflammatory and analgesics that I mentioned to you. Okay. Well, that's been uh, really helpful. Yes. Uh, very appreciative. Thank you. That's a pleasure, Margaret. Thank That's you. That's great. That was Nora. And oh, thank Nora, you, Nora. wasn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I'm sorry, Margaret, Nora. <laughs> Margaret did ring. She's okay. off. She's gone uh, now. But what she wants oh, is the name of the antiviral uh, book okay. that you spoke about earlier, Dennis. Look, it, it is uh, a book that's just walking out of my room as people are just coming in and asking for it. I mentioned it oh, weeks and weeks ago. It's a book entitled Corona and Other Viruses written by the well-known doctor and natural therapist, Dr. Sandra Cabot, C-A-B-O-T. She has written numerous, very, very helpful texts which look at various health conditions uh, from the point of view of uh, complementary medicine and also a full understanding of the medical management of the medical approach. I have read her book on the, on, entitled Corona and Other Viruses. I don't think I've read a more readable work on, on viruses per se, and I've never read anything as good as her work on the coronavirus, and I've never seen such an explicit little selection of supplements on page 62 of her book for enhancing one's immune system and giving oneself an edge in working with the medical uh, prophylaxis for this condition. So um, even people that have had uh, vaccination, I still encourage them to enhance their own immunology and work with the medical attempt to keep this wretched virus at bay. Page 62 of Dr. Cabot's book has the five supplements stipulated which he recommends for immune enhancement. I'll say it again, Corona and Other Viruses by Dr. Sandra Cabot. And to a new RFM's Health Naturally taking your calls and also talking about two Herbs, old-fashioned herbs, you called them, Dennis. They are old-fashioned. But they're really good for urinary tract infections. Exactly. And when I say old-fashioned herbs, I don't want listeners to think that these herbs go uh, you know, way back to the point where no one can remember them. 
I'd like to just uh, mention to listeners that the two herbs, one is called buku, B-U-C-H-U, buku, a South African herb, and the other one is called uvaursi, U-V-A-U-R-S-I, also known as bearberry. These two herbs, in fact, have been used in mainstream medicine and in older editions of the British Pharmacopoeia, which was a very significant and still is a significant uh, medical authoritative text, going back to the older editions, particularly prior to the Second World War, those two herbs were well-defined, understood and recommended for treating urinary tract infections. So when I say old-fashioned remedies, don't think these haven't been used and don't think that herbalists are the only ones that still continue them. There are, in fact, some medical practitioners who have discovered the benefits of these old remedies in treating what is a very common condition and a very nasty condition, particularly when they become intractable, ongoing, chronic, recurring, a very nasty condition indeed. So nasty, in fact, and I'll just say this as an aside, Jane, uh, an English lady, uh, Angela Kilmartin, many years ago wrote a book entitled Understanding Cystitis. I'll say that again, Angela Kilmartin's book, Understanding Cystitis. I read the book probably 25 years ago. It's still in print. I know that because listeners previously that heard me talk about cystitis going back a few years ago were able to get it from uh, online, uh, from uh, the Book Depot or Amazon. It's, so it's still in print. And for those that are interested in knowing just how devastating this condition can be and how it can affect uh, one's employment, etc., Angela Kilmartin's book is a very useful book to read and full of hope and confidence and a little program that she herself established uh, as a way of controlling it. But the two herbs that I've mentioned uh, are very, very successful remedies because, A, they've had a history reaching back in herbal medicine for many hundreds of years, reaching back to mainstream medicine, uh, you know, 50, 60 years ago, maybe a little bit longer, but not much longer, where they are called up as essentially urinary tract remedies for addressing infection to old-fashioned remedies, Buku from South Africa, Uvaursi, or bearberry, an American herb, usually combined together and administered as a water-based preparation or what we call an infusion. Very rarely do these herbs not help chronic sufferers of, of urinary tract infections. And I'm sure there's more to say about that. Yes, but we've course. got Sue on the line yes, from Cessnock, Dennis, and it's all about, is it seborrheic? Seborrheic dermatitis. Yeah, indeed. So, Sue, hello to you. Yes, hello, I'm here. Hello, Sue. Yes. Um, hello, Dennis. How, how long have you been battling seborrheic dermatitis? Uh, the scalp, yes. Um, yeah, probably about three years. Okay. And your doctor has given you topical applications... Has he uh, put yes. on it? Yeah. Yes, I've had all that and um, it has quietened down a little oh, bit. Oh, that's um, good. That's good. Yeah. Look, a couple of recommendations here. One can only be fairly brief in talking about seborrheic uh, dermatitis. Just for listeners, seborrheic dermatitis is a dermatitis that occurs on the scalp and is characterised by redness, scaliness, uh, itch. It can be a chronic condition. It's a, just another form of dermatitis but it frequently uh, it manifests itself on the scalp uh, and also can spread to, to, to the forehead, a common condition. 
my, my, my management for it is essentially to use a, a, a topical application called the GA cream. The GA cream, it's a, a useful agent to use uh, on the scalp, like all preparations, always patch tested first. Uh, the GA cream is based on an extract of licorice, glycerotinic acid. That's what GA stands for. So it's a natural product, which I developed many, many, many years ago for treating multiple forms of dermatitis, including seborrheic dermatitis. So think of the GA um, uh, cream, uh, which uh, you, you can get from Sally Bowen's practice where you are in Cessnock. She'd be the only one there that would have it in the town. But also... I have found that the B group vitamins, and in particular vitamin B6, is useful yeah. as a supplement that has helped uh, quite a few people and is called up in some of our literature as a useful agent to prescribe. And also, uh, with reference to this condition, um, don't overlook what I have found very, very useful, the, the preparation called T-gel. Now, T-gel is a preparation that can be purchased from supermarkets, from the medical counter, and uh, it is a little preparation that people should think about, particularly for scalp conditions that are characterised by itch and scaliness, inflammatory conditions, and even some levels of psoriasis of the scalp can be helped by T-gel. The herbs that I normally think about for this condition, and they would be prescribed normally in liquid form, would be what we used to, or what we still call alteratives, an old term used to describe herbs that are used for chronic uh, conditions that can be very difficult to resolve. And herbs like burdock, uh, herbs such as yellow dock, herbs such as blue flag, and herbs such as echinacea are usually put into a compound. And again, there in Cessnock, um, Bowen would be able to do that for you as a dispensing um, practitioner. I would go down that, that, that pathway. The use of the GA cream, making sure that your scalp can tolerate it, uh, contemplating also using T-gel, supplement with higher doses of vitamin B6, and then use those classic skin herbs that most herbalists uh, use to address inflammatory skin conditions, whether they be eczema or various forms of dermatitis. <coughs> I'd, I'd give that a go and, and see how you went, Sue. Right. Well, I, I'm using the T-Gel um, shampoo Good. at the moment. Good. Good. And I think that has quietened things down considerably. I'm sure it would. And because, yeah. because again, um, this is a preparation that is very understandable, the, 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 the smell of it. And I don't mind the smell of it. I occasionally use the preparation myself. I tend to have a, a dry scalp for sitting under fluorescent lights for too long all my life. Uh, and I find that uh, tea gel is, is cleansing, but I like the, the smell of it, even though yeah. it, it smells a little bit like tar. It has, as far as I understand, uh, what is contained in many older-fashioned preparations, uh, a, a, an amount of either tol, a car, a, a coal tar or pine tar. I'm not sure which they are. Uh, and mm. I quite like the smell of it. And it is th that constituent, I believe, that plays a minor role in addressing the itch and some of the inflammation. It might, yeah. it might just surprise you, Sue, uh, to know that uh, um, I consider preparations with pine tar, coal tar, juniper tar to be some of the most, most underrated preparations for the skin. 
And mm. I, know, I know a lot about their use because they preparations based on those substances uh, helped my eczema when I was a young man like nothing else did. So I think mm. I think you're on the right track. Blend in that uh, vitamin um, B6. Try a little bit of the um, GA cream. And depending on how you go, uh, think about those uh, remedies that I mentioned, which would be a typical selection, usually combined together and dosed uh, for addressing a chronic skin condition. To a new RFM's Health Naturally. And uh, Dennis Stewart, we're talking about things that help with UTIs, urinary tract infections. And you've talked about your two favourite herbs for favorite. this. They are indeed the, the old fashioned herbs. Uh, prescribed by an old-fashioned herbalist such as myself. <laughs> uh, the, the beautiful thing is they work, but interestingly, they can be prescribed in a very simple form. That is, they can be conveyed uh, in what we call an infusion form, or to use lay language, conveyed as a herbal tea. In fact, uh, this is probably the preferred way of using buku and uveursi, turn them into a warm water-based infusion, and the Europeans call this technique irrigation therapy, and I like the term. The term conveys the idea that a warm, voluminous, uh, water-based preparation has, if you like, a cleansing or flushing effect, particularly as it works its way through the urinary system. That might be simplistic, but that's the term the Europeans use, and that's the way in which these two herbs have traditionally been prescribed, even in various editions of the British Pharmacopoeia. So when we talk about an infusion in herbal medicine, that's just the, the trade name, the technical name, of referring to preparations that are based on infusing the dried herb in boiling water, so pour the boiling water on and wait until it cools Correct. down a little bit. Spot on, James. Yes. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how much water you pour, uh, pour on. It j just means that what you pour on is actually the amount that you'd have to drink. So say you used, I don't know, or say you ended up with, say, a, a pint of the infusion, that would contain the dose. And so you would have to drink the whole of that pint of warm infusion to get the benefits of the amount of dried herb that was infused. Now, that's pretty important. You need to use a significant volume of, of water, boiling water, let it uh, cool down till it's warm, and then pour off the infusion and drink that preparation. The um, a total amount has to be taken in order to get the therapeutic effect of the amount of herbs you put in it. So how much in the oh, way of five, herbs? A, a, a heap teaspoonful, of five each? grams. So. Yes. Now, look, if you're going to use the combination, and I would recommend that you do that. Uh, by the way, the, the dried herbs can be normally purchased from a good practising herbalist. Uh, if you have one in, in your suburb or where you are, always uh, see them first. If you can't, you can always see me at your Lampton to get these things, but always and look around in your local district to see if your local practitioners have them. So uh, the combination is better, albeit if you can't get the combination that is Buku blended with Uveosi, either one of them will still carry out a remarkable work. And when I say remarkable work, for all the cynics and sceptics out there, these are remarkable substances and have in many cases liberated 
particularly for, for and women, liberated them from years and years and years of chronic recurring urinary tract infections. I put out those two remedies because I know there are many women, and, and also men, but more so women. Men can use these herbs for recurring prostatitis, but for urinary tract infections in women, as far as I'm concerned, there are fewer herbs that beat a water-based infusion, irrigation therapy, based on the two herbs, a heaped teaspoonful of the dried herb into, say, half a pint of water, let it cool down, and drink the lot while it's uh, nice and warm. Do that a couple of times a day. It might mean you might pee a bit more, but that's also good in order to flush out a lot of the urinary tract uh, metabolites. If that is undertaken, I dare listeners to prove me wrong with the potential benefit of that. Now, I'm putting myself out on a limb there, Jane, <laughs> but I know these remedies so well that I speak confidently about their position. Chronic urinary tract infection sufferers think about these two herbs. So uh, how do they match well, or not okay. with antibiotics? Okay, very good question. Now, you and all listeners know that I have great regard for mainstream medicine. I have my own GPs that I trust and depend on. And uh, what I teach and what I practice is in no way at all uh, seen in competition with the mainstream. Anyone who is experiencing an infection anywhere, particularly when it is acute, must, and I emphasise, must present to the general practitioner to get a diagnosis and treatment. The occasional episode of a cystitis, and some people may get one or two episodes, you know, every couple of years. In situations like that, the mainstream medicine approach using the appropriate antibody is, is probably adequate. What I'm talking about here is not something that's in competition with the mainstream management. What I'm talking about are old remedies that have a, a subject to offer for a chronic condition that is now starting to defy the mainstream emphasis on antimicrobial medications. Uh, many doctors would acknowledge that um, many of these conditions can become chronic and many of the mainstream treatments begin to falter. Where you have this chronic occurrence, and it can happen in young and, and elderly people as well, this is where these two remedies fit in. Not as competition, but as coming in at a point where the condition has beaten the mainstream approach. To a new RFM's Health Naturally. Dennis, um, while we're here, and um, yes, let's talk about how these herbs, why they're effective. Mm. What, what is it that gives them that gives effect? Gives them the benefit. Look, that's a very good question, Jane, which I'm very happy to... Uh, to talk about. Um, one of the great criticisms of, of herbal medicine is the criticism that we really don't know how they work, that uh, the claims that we make for them uh, can't be justified by, uh, by science. Well, the vast majority of my uh, long practice and teaching of herbal medicine, I have um, put a lie to that because herbal medicine may at one stage of its history have been devoid of an adequate scientific explanation. 
But these days, herbal medicine is very, very much uh, a scientific uh, technique. And with these two herbs, they contain constituents which are well understood, which have been shown to have antimicrobial effects in the system. And the, in the case of buku, buku has a very, very pleasant aroma. Uh, it's a beautiful uh, smell of the herb, uh, a little bit like peppermint, but a little bit sweeter. And uh, buku contains an essential oil. Now, essential oils are found in many herbs and have many different characteristics. In buku, the essential oil has a specific effect on the urinary tract, and it brings to the urinary tract an, an essential oil which has antimicrobial characteristics. The essential oil, in other words, has an antiseptizing effect on the urinary mucous membrane and lessens the survivability, if you like, of bacteria in the system. The essential oil of buku is so well known that in some preparations today, buku essential oil is in fact the basis rather than the herb. I still prefer to use the entire herb, albeit I acknowledge that the essential oil of buku is responsible for the effect that it has on infection. Now with Uve Ursi, Uve Ursi does not contain an essential oil, but it contains a substance called arbutin, A-R-B-U-T-I-N. Now arbutin has a similar effect to buku, but is a different chemistry. It again attacks infection and sets up an environment on the membrane of the urinary system, which is not welcome to bacterial proliferation. So arbutin in Uveursi, the essential oil of buku, two well-known substances, one can Google them up and find that what, what I have said is reasonably accurate. They are explicable as to how these two herbs work so well in treating particularly chronic recurring urinary tract infections. Now, we always like to know how things work, we don't do, we? We do, we do. And Mark has rung in from Waratah. Now, you've got problems with tinnitus and also some epilepsy. Yes, yeah, yeah, I do. Now, the, the, the tinnitus, I, from what I can gather, I cannot find any help in Newcastle with it. There's not a, a psychologist with experience in tinnitus. Okay. Um, and... I, I was down at St Vincent's Hospital in the Neurocentury ward two days ago and, yes. and I've been given a list, but they're all Sydney. There's there's no one in Newcastle that specialises with... Well, not specialises, but has had experience with, with tinnitus. OK. Look, as far as the availability of medical services for the treatment of it at a specialist level, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure on that one, Mark. I'm not familiar um, with the situation there. What, I'm I'm, what I will do is uh, use what resources I have to see if there are uh, medical practitioners in the area, and I'm sure there would be, that have skills in treating this condition rather than see you trek all the way down to Sydney, albeit Sydney these days is not the big drama getting to it that it originally was. Oh, uh, for sure. But, but, uh, but the thing with it is is that I, I spoke with this wonderful woman down there, Sarah, yeah. the other day. And yes. I've had this for years, yes. and my GP, it's, you know, it's a head thing, and, and 
all you've got to do is Google an app. And and the more I sort of thought, well, I'm not Googling anything. And I went yes. down and I've learned more about tinnitus in the last 48 hours than is possible. And it's the, we, it's the absolute weirdest, weirdest condition yes. that was predominantly, they reckon, caused by loud noise working in the yeah. mines. But yes. now it's a yeah. brain thing where my brain is saying, morning, yes. remember yesterday you had your tinnitus? Well, yeah. I'm back just to remind you. Yeah. Have, you, and it's you, a, you, a you, matter of getting that out of my head, but yeah. it's been exacerbated because of COVID and my underlying epilepsy and yes. um, anxiety and depression. Yes. Look, I, I understand where you're coming from there very well, Mark. All, all that I would say is that on this program I have mentioned for many, many years the herb called ginkgo biloba. Now, ginkgo biloba, you can Google it and find that particularly in Europe... Uh, it is used as one way to seek to address this condition. Difficult condition to resolve, but the herb ginkgo comes up as a modern herbal preparation that has been used, uh, apparently with some success, to the extent that I have mentioned it on the program. And here and there, now and then, I get feedback yeah. from people that have come into my rooms or ring me up to say that the ginkgo has helped them, and that's all that I will say. What you need well, to do, I suggest, Mark, is have a word with your, with your, with your GP, mention ginkgo to him, or have a word with your, uh, the, your, your specialist if you're being treated for epilepsy by a specialist. See what their attitude is to using um, ginkgo. It would need to be used cautiously, particularly if you're on, uh, you are on a lot of other medication. This so, is my other question. Yes, yes. I, uh, and Mark's not the real name, I've got to be honest. Oh, okay. um, yep, yep. I, I, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm done and I have been done with the mainstream medicines they've had me on for the last 18 months. Yes. Um, so I've, I've followed my own path, uh -huh. which isn't quite legal, but I can't get it prescribed. I can't get medicinal marijuana. Mm -hmm. But I haven't had a I haven't had a, a grand mal. I haven't had a seizure in two years. Okay, well, look. So you know what I mean. Like I, I do, just... I do. I know where you're coming from. Have you have you discussed uh, with your medical managers um, the potential to be able to get uh, a they, preparation it, legally? From what I can gather, I my GP is completely against it. Um, uh, it's predominantly for for younger people with multiple seizures. Okay. Well, he, he would know uh, better than I would. It might, might surprise you to know that for years I have actually promoted uh, the medical use of cannabis, and I emphasise yeah. the medical legal yeah, use yeah. of cannabis because my reading on it and my understanding of it and even my teaching of it at times to medical people uh, has uh, been very soundly based. Um, yeah. I would I would further the discussion. Further the discussion. Yeah. All right. All right. No worries. Okay. All right. And thanks for the advice on the ginkgo. That's, yeah. um, well, that's look, going to be it, well it, and truly looked into. It, it may be nothing, but it yeah. might be something. And right. uh, But make sure you mention it to your medical managers. That it yeah. would have to be factored in to make sure that it didn't clash with any other yeah. things you were taking. All no right. worries. Thank All you right, very much, Mark. Good on you. Thanks for your call, Mark. Mm -hmm. Now in our last few minutes, uh, Dennis, uh, cranberry. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs>
We're still okay. on UTIs yeah. here. Okay. Still on UTI. Big jump from, from, from tinnitus, but never mind. Big jump from still got a couple <laughs> oh, of the, the way, same letters. If if listeners are not aware of tinnitus, I always like to explain this. Tinnitus is loosely goes under the the terminology of ringing or noises in the ears and uh, have many causes, a difficult condition, in my opinion, to resolve, but can sometimes be ameliorated or lessened um, by ginkgo or other techniques. But you mentioned there the cranberry. Yeah. Well, everyone you talk to about urinary tract infections uh, talks about cranberry. Uh, When I was a, a younger practitioner, we never heard of it. Yes. It's been one of these modern innovations. But look, there is a significant body of literature, medical, pharmaceutical and clinical, which sustains the use of seeing cranberry, again, in my opinion, used prophylactically, mm-hmm. not so much as, a, as a, a treatment for the acute infection. I'm talking about something like the Uvaeusian buku that can be taken ongoingly as a means of building up a resistance uh, to the infection. The theory is here that the the, uh, cranberry contains substances called anthocyanidins. That is what gives to the the blueberry or the the cranberry, they all belong to the same family, their acute colours. And the anthocyanidins are thought that as they impregnate the urinary tract wall, they disturb the, uh, how can you call it, the environment on the uh, mucous membrane that sustains infection. In other words, they create an environment which is antagonistic to bacterial proliferation. Great way of using the cranberry is to see it as a pleasant uh, drink, ideally gets those without too much sugar. Uh, A useful way of doing it is to drink it regularly on a daily basis if you're a regular sufferer, but also contemplate using the buku and uvaeusi uh, as a means of reinforcing the cranberry effect. So uh, cranberries, they're not local and not indigenous to Australia, are they? Not in not general? really, although there's no reason why they couldn't grow here. Uh, I was looking yeah. at that this morning, but yeah. um, not that I'm aware of. They're a member of the, uh, of the, the blueberry uh, family, um, so technically speaking, um, they would probably be equally... Uh, beneficial for the condition but we don't grow it here as far as I'm aware as far as I'm aware so cranberry rather than blueberry is the prophylactic (laughs) there's a lot of swing around in these Uh, bilberry blueberry cranberry they all tend to be associated with a similar chemistry albeit some have developed a reputation for being more effective in some conditions than others yeah, okay. So um, if you like drinking cranberry juice yeah. and you manage to find some yeah. without too much sugar... Well, that's the problem. But look, tricky. again mm. here, cranberry can come in, in um, capsules and tableted form. Uh, and I'm not opposed to them, except, again, in my opinion, you pay a lot of money for a benefit that could frequently be obtained in a lesser uh, sophisticated preparation. Right, so the herbal infusion is oh, the herbal infusion much is a beaut, easier way to go. way of doing it. Yeah. But with cranberry, I'm a bit of a fan for saying, look, use the cranberry juice uh, wherever you can, albeit a preparation that is devoid of concentrated sugars. Well, thank you, Dennis Stewart. Well, let's hope we never get urinary tract infections. But if we do, if we do, we'll know, we where know to what go. to do. Okay. <laughs> and Health Naturally will be back next Friday after the midday news on 2NURFM.